Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Luke, the second chapter. Luke, the second chapter. You know, I'm always praying and seeking the heart of God regarding what to share on. And, you know, this time, this time of year, you know, we want to share on about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the supernatural part of it, that he came for a purpose. He had a divine destiny, and that was to uh, give his life for the sins of the world. Everybody look up to heaven and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And Luke, the second chapter, we're going to begin, and this is the Passion Bible. <clears throat> and uh, about a week ago, I opened the Passion Bible to read it, and something leaped out at me, and I want to share that with you this morning. And uh, during those days, verse 1, it says, the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. Everyone had to travel to the hometown of their family to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his wife Mary left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea to the village of Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. I thought that's so beautiful. And King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. And when they arrived, and I, I wrote this in my outline here, when they arrived uh, to, at their divine destiny, amen, that in Bethlehem, they went in, she went into labor and gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped the newborn baby in strips of cloth. And Mary and Joseph laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. Hallelujah. Again, the greatest event in human history was the birth of our Lord and Savior. If you agree, say amen. amen. God was made flesh. They call it, call it incarnate. That word incarnate actually isn't in the Bible, but simply means God was made flesh through the second person of the Godhead, Jesus himself. Amen. Why? Because only God himself qualified to take away the sins of the world. Amen. And so he did praise the Lord. His name was called Emmanuel, which is mean God with us. But I'd like to say it this way, God for us. Not only God with us, but God for us. Say this out loud. God is for me, not against me. And I want you to always remember that. Yes, there's times in our lives when we feel that, you know, there's, things aren't going right. But he's never against you. He's always for you. Uh, let me say it again. He's always for you. Amen. Say, God is for me, is for not against me. Amen. Amen. He's not. Hallelujah. Now, um, and when I read verse 4, I'll, begin, I'll read just a portion here. Joseph and his wife, Mary, left Nazareth. When I, saw, when I read that, the word left just leaped out at me. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He says, achieving always requires leaving. That's what he said to me. Achieving always requires leaving. And I said, wow, that, oh, that's good. So what are you trying to say? So then he took me on a mission through the Bible uh, where that absolutely is the truth. Achieving requires leaving, meaning leaving something behind for something better. Now, you may not have had the best 2023, or it may have been a tough 2022, I mean, but how many believe for, I'm, I say it this way, victory in 23, amen, amen. amen. that things will change for you in 23. Yeah. That's, that is the hope of a new year. You turn the page, you leave one year and enter into another, as Randy was speaking this morning. 
You want to enter, you want to leave one year, uh, you want to leave a year and enter the new year um, uh, expecting the miraculous in your life. And, and so even in our giving, even in our giving, and we see this through the years. God is so faithful. He always provides for us. He's always faithful. But uh, the church overall, I'm talking about the church nationwide, uh, uh, if people would, would remain consistent in their giving, there would never, ever be a financial need in the church, ever, 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 if they were just consistent in that. And, um, and so it is, we've seen through the years where people begin to give, but as the year goes by, they just whittle down further and further until they're literally not giving anything. And God doesn't want that. God wants to be on the forefront of your life in every area, including giving financially. If you agree, say amen. amen. He really is. He wants to bless your life. It's according to what Randy shared earlier, seed time in harvest. God gives you the seed for a reason. It's to sow it so that you can reap a harvest from it. Amen. I said amen. amen. So achieving requires leaving. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, to everything, to everything, to every part of our life, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Hallelujah. So to achieve the fulfillment of God's promise, Joseph and Mary had to be willing to leave. And especially during the most inconvenient and difficult and stressful season of Mary's life. But because they were willing, God's will came to fruition. Hallelujah. Achieving requires leaving. The word achieve in the definition is to reach or attain as the result of exertion, to accomplish, execute, fulfill, and perform. How many believe that since you've been saved, you've been called, you've been called to achieve the will of God in your life, in every aspect of your life? You're actually, you know, our, our really purpose in life when we get saved is to carry on the presence of God, his character in our lives, and his will for our lives so that other people can see Christ in us. If you agree, say amen to that. To reach or attain as a result of exertion, to accomplish, execute, fulfill, and perform. That was Adam's role when God made him out of the, uh, when God formed his body, he breathed into him the breath of life. And then the Bible says that it is not good for man to be alone. So God brought him a helpmate, a companion, a support, one to stand by his side, and that is the woman. And when God brought the woman to Adam, he said this, he said, uh, now shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Is that? So the leaving, it's interesting, the word leave there means to relinquish his dependency on. So he was to relinquish his dependence on his father and mother and lean all his dependency on God. And I, I wrote this down too. It says, shall a, uh, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And I put this down cleave unto God for the sake of his wife. Amen. Cleave unto God for the sake of your calling as husband, as a man of God, to be the spiritual leader of your home. That's what God uh, anointed us for as men. So achieving success in Adam's marital responsibilities required him leaving his dependence on his parents and the spiritual resources then that he would need to be the husband to his wife would come, listen, by the leadership and counsel of the Holy Spirit in him. You have to understand when God breathed into Adam, he breathed into Adam, the third person of the Godhead. So Adam not only had the divine nature of God, he had the divine nature of the one who is God, the Holy Spirit. 
Hallelujah. And then all the nine characteristics of the Holy Spirit began to operate in his life. And then he was responsible to make sure to keep sowing those attributes from his life and through his life. But you can see, and to, to achieve this, he had to, he had to leave his dependency on his parents and depend upon his heavenly father. Just like every one of you men, you have a heavenly father. And this, see, you'll, you'll never be, stand before God and give an excuse to God that it was your father, your natural father's fault where you're at in your life. Because you have a new father since you come into the kingdom of God. And you can set your blame on anything. My daddy wasn't uh, all he could have been and should have been just because he didn't know. I, I, lay, I hold nothing against him at all. But simply, he did not have the spiritual equipment because he wasn't taught about it to become everything that he was supposed to become as a father. But again, we are without excuse because now we know God can have an amen. So God's word holds the keys for achieving blessed and healthy relationships, whether it's from our spouse to the other, from our, 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 um, our relationship with our, uh, with, as parents to our children and children to children, all the relationships, all, all depending the quality of those relationships on our, the degree of our commitment to our God and to his word. Once we're willing to leave behind the distorted and damaging uh, behaviors that weaken our relationships is when we'll receive the spiritual um, insight we need to achieve those blessed and long-lasting relationships. There was, God didn't make a mistake when he brought you and your mate together as husband and wife. But, and he, he, isn't that something? He knew that you would have... Now, uh, he knew that there were things in your life that would uh, be abrasive to your mate, but, uh, but the more you serve him, the more he knocks off those abrasiveness, hallelujah, and so that you can w- walk together as one and bring glory to God. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Listen to this, if Cain would have left behind the offenses that he was harboring within, he would have never fallen to deception and would have achieved a very blessed and long life because that's exactly what God had for him. Leaving always requires faith and obedience on our part, just as it did for every hero of faith in Hebrews 11. Let's talk about Abraham for a moment. Because he was willing to leave behind 75 years of his Chaldean culture, 75 years of valued relationship from his friends to his family to business associates, not only did he receive God's divine favor and God's guidance and provision, he achieved that which was impossible in the natural and that he experienced what God promised him and that was a son in his old age. In fact, he was 100 years old when his son, when, uh, when that promise came to pass in his life. And not only that, he fulfilled, Abraham did, fulfilled his divine assignment of becoming the spiritual father of all nations. Amen. Not even realizing that really was what it would be all about. Abraham didn't. Uh, Abraham didn't have the spiritual insight you and I have today, but he walked by faith and not by sight. And he remained true to God. In fact, early on in his journey, Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 13, verse 7, Abraham's um, herdsman got into strife with uh, Lot's herdsman. And, uh, and that if Abraham would have ignored that, it would have derailed him from uh, his divine destination. But because he was willing to leave that toxic environment behind, he went on to achieve all the good things God promised him. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. 
Amen. See, we have responsibilities as believers. I mean, sometimes we think we can just be careless. Uh, yesterday, I mean, I'll just be confess with you right now. Uh, I'm a, I confess my sins. Uh, I had to sin. I, excuse me. I had to uh, ask God for forgiveness this morning because I really got mad at my wife yesterday. Uh, oh, none of you guys do. <laughs> and my, I got ticked. I mean, I, I mean, probably the maddest I've ever gotten at her in all the 51 years. No, I didn't cuss. I didn't swear. I didn't hit her. Maybe I did inside. No, anyway. And all because, and all because, just, I'm just as, can be just as carnal as the rest of you. All because I was in a bad mood because all the Vikings were playing. I mean, I, I, I mean, a man can lose his salvation over a stupid football game. If I'd have died, I'm not sure where I'd gone. But they came back and they won. Hallelujah. But, but not. She kept saying, I have faith that they're going to come back and win this. And I. And of course, I was completely faithful, faithless. I mean, completely. And uh, I know it's just a stupid game, but she was cheering for him. I'm downstairs wrapping uh, uh, Christmas presents, madder than a hornet, and she's upstairs just enjoying the day. <laughs> it would have been so much better if I'd have just gotten faith with her and just enjoyed the game together because it's the largest comeback in NFL history. I know some of you hate the Vikings. That's fine. It's a love and hate relationship, let me tell you. <laughs> Life. I get so frustrated with myself. Joseph, let's talk about him. One day at the age of 17 years old, God gave him a very simple assignment. That is, go check on your brothers, see how they're doing, they're out overseeing their father's uh, flock, okay? And uh, so, oh, jo oh, so Joseph obeyed, and the Bible says that he left that day. Listen, not aware of the fact that his world will be turned upside down in the natural, but right side up in the spirit. Amen. Meaning God had a plan for him that he really didn't have a clue what was happening in his life. Amen. Not only was he assaulted by his own flesh and blood, they threw him in a pit, sold him into Egyptian slavery, and then returned to tell their father that an evil beast, this is in Genesis 37, an evil beast must have killed Joseph. How cruel, how calloused, how mean, how insensitive could you be that you would give that kind of news to your father? And can you imagine what his father must have, uh, what, what their father, uh, his name was Israel, even though God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, and uh, how, how Jacob must have felt the, the emotional suffering and the pain uh, and the heartache and, and the guilt that he carried for 13 years over this lie. I mean, you talk about how mean people can be, how mean family can be, but that's just the way it is. But what was so beautifully displayed from Joseph, he never let one of those incidences uh, keep him from fulfilling the will of God in his life. It, is that awesome or what? It's such, you have to read. You can start from Genesis 37 and read all the way through Genesis 42. It's one of the most inspiring stories I've ever read in my life that uh, here's a man of God. He's not even born again, but he's 
got such a close relationship with God that as far as I can see, he never, ever did anything wrong. I'm talking about through this testing. Even though his emotional character was put to the test by his brothers, his moral character was put to the test by Potiphar's wife when she blamed him about assaulting her sexually, and it cost him two years of his life in prison. In fact, it's just a miracle. In fact, I believe with all my heart, the only way he was not killed by Pharaoh was because God's hand was upon him because he was upright before God. Amen yet still had to go through that. While he's in prison, his spiritual character is assaulted. Why? He has a prophetic word over the baker and the butler. And guess what? When it was all said and done, I think it was the uh, uh, baker that died and the butler that went on and completely forgot about Joseph. I mean, this assault goes on and on and on, and yet you never, ever hear Joseph saying one negative thing about it. What a beautiful display of leaving something to achieve something. And that was the will of God. So through all this wherefore, where, uh, warfare, Joseph never allowed the spiritual forces of embitterment and unforgiveness to take root within. And because he was willing by faith to leave those spiritual emotional attacks behind, through faith he achieved what God had planned all along, and that was to become the savior of not only his family, but the savior of all the nations around him. Such a beautiful story. You need to read it. Because sometimes we just completely excuse ourselves for the way we act and the way we live, the way we talk, the way we think, because we have a right to. When you accepted Christ in your life, all your rights were gone. You lost them all. Paul, that's why the Apostle Paul is so beautiful. What all he went through, and he called himself a slave of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we make it so easy for people to, you know, quote unquote, accept Jesus. And I always say, salvation is free, but to follow Christ will cost you your life. But what is your life compared to eternal life? How many believe we have eternal life to live? And for some of us, it'll come quicker than others. And yet, there's no guarantee of any day that you have. Every day is a gift from God. Every day. Genesis 45, you got to see this. This is beautiful. The heart that Joseph had. Oh my goodness, he had a godly heart. Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me. It was, you got to read the story because they didn't even recognize him because he was Egyptian through and through except inwardly. He was Egyptian from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. How he, how he dressed. They couldn't tell. They had no idea. 13 years passed by. They had no idea that Joseph was standing before, uh, bef- uh, before them. And this is what Joseph said to them. Come near to me, I pray you. And they did so. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into, uh, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed and disheartened or vexed and angry with yourselves because you sold me here. What a beautiful, a beautiful picture of the love of God and the mercy of God. For God sent me ahead of you to preserve, your, uh, to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five year, more years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a posterity and to continue a remnant on the earth to save your lives by a great escape and save for you many survivors. 
For now it was not you who sent me here, but God. See, we're going to go. I have no idea what's going to happen in 2023. Um, we, um, we spent, um, uh, we got up last Sunday morning. We were in Florida. For some of you who don't know, we, you know, it was 80 degrees every day. It was just beautiful to be down there. And um, my whole body was rejoicing. And while we were there, uh, uh, Pastor Vicky said, honey, let's, let's get up and, and go to church this morning. And um, so we went to Rodney Howard Brown's church. And he's got, my goodness gracious, they, uh, you know, that man really has a, a, um, a spirit of faith. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how large. I don't think, I don't think there are over 5,000 membership, but that's pretty good. Amen. But he built. He, 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 he um, he purchased, they're remodeling their building, they're adding to it, it's a three and a half year project. So what he did is he, he, he uh, purchased a Quonset, and, uh, and it's a you know, half moon Quonset, you've seen them, but this is a special one. The, the military actually, he bought it from the resources that the military do, and they hold the massive, huge cargo planes, the huge ones, cargo planes, that's what they uh, put them in. And this thing was, um, I don't know, 500 feet long and, uh, or 500 yards. I mean, it was massive. It was like four foot. I mean, the thing is huge. It's just massive. Open on both ends and, of course, you know. And they, he paid $5 million for that just to set that up temporarily until the church building's built. Right. Meaning what? Never limit God. God is not, he's not, he's not like you and I. He doesn't, oh my, you mean you're going to only use that for three years? Isn't that throwing money away? He doesn't think that way. Because all the resources of the earth are his. Amen. Amen. And, he, and not only did he supply the five million to build that thing and set it up, it's just massive. They carpeted the whole thing with grass, with grass carpet, you know, the fake stuff. So I don't know, it was massive. And then, and they'll use it for three and a half years. But again, God is such a big, he doesn't think like you and I. And we have to stop thinking, you know, this lack and poverty mentality or that we can't afford this. And I've said it years ago, stop saying we can't afford this and start saying we can't afford this. Amen. You know, when you do things like this, you know, Jane was talking earlier about the monies, you know, that, you know, the monies that come from the bookstore and, and from the coffee shop that go back into the ministry. Well, for a while, they were going back into, you know, um, all the expense of the, the things that we do. I don't know what God has in the future regarding Faith Family Church, regarding what we're to you know, buy or do. I have no idea. But I believe God wants us prepared for whatever he's got. Amen. And so we cannot think, okay, now that we've got everything, that we can just stop giving. Does it cost? I mean, it costs... It cost, I don't know, $8,000 a month just to heat this place. You know, and, and I'm just I'm, and God is good, he's faithful, but I'm just saying, don't get that I, uh, mentality because every month churches are going down the tube financially. Every month there are churches that are closing across America and God doesn't want any church to close, no, no church, none at all. Come on, give God, I mean, it's true, he doesn't want any church to close. <clears throat> Amen. So anyway, um, God is good. God is faithful. God is a big thinker. Can I have an amen? So 
So you see the mentality of Joseph. So with that, we're all, every one of us are on a spiritual journey, whether we realize it or not. And our assignment isn't any different than Joseph's was. We're called to be a savior to our families, a savior to our neighborhoods. Come on, a savior to the businesses that we work in. We're called to be a savior of the world around us or carry the savior uh, uh, through us so that they can see Christ in us. That's the reason. That's the reason for the spiritual warfare in our lives. I, I wanted to bring this up because you, you wonder uh, the, the why. Why do things always, why is there always warfare? Because God said there will be. And I want to read this to you in Ephesians because, first of all, Ephesians is the letter regarding relationships. I mean, every kind of relationship, both horizontal and vertical, uh, are addressed in the book of Ephesians. So, in conclusion, Paul writes, this is the Amplified of Ephesians 6, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your, and I put inward strength because that's what it is. Draw your inward strength from him. That strength which his boundless might provides. So whatever you are going through, you can go through with the strength of God. Amen. It's true. So he says, so put on, that's your part, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Now, let me tell you something. What does that even mean, put on the whole armor of God? Well, the whole armor of God really has to do with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And I don't have time to teach on the armor, but it lists the pieces of armor there in Ephesians. But listen, when Jesus being tempted, when Jesus was being tempted um, after 40 days in the wilderness, uh, does anybody know how he conquered temptation? He said it is written. He conquered it with the word of God. And when the word of God is in us, the spirit of God has something to work through us. Amen. Amen. And he said, it is written, it is written. And he, he overcame the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life through the written word of God. That's exactly the way we do it also. But I just wanted to show you, he says, you got to put on the armor of a heavy armed soldier. Why? Because the battles are great. And they're relational battles. I don't care if it's battles in your marriage, battles amongst your children, battles at work. It's all relational warfare. Because every one of us know what life would be like if you didn't have anybody in your life. Be lonely. But the warfare is real and every one of us deal with it. Verse 12, I must read this out of the Living Bible because it so beautifully lays out the kind of warfare and the kind of beings that are attacking us. Watch this. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world. Those mightiest satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. That's why Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. But you're still going to be impacted by its forces. So your wife is not the devil in your life. Your husband is not the devil in your life. Your children are not the devils in your life. You have a devil in your life, but praise God, he's been defeated, and you got to keep him under your feet. Now, I love this story. After Jesus was tempted in those three arenas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the Bible says that Satan left him, but for a season. 
but for a season. That's why when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and out of the pores of his forehead, God poured the blood, the pressure, the, the physical and emotional pressure that he was feeling because all the princes of darkness were attacking him, uh, hoping, that he'd, uh, 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 hoping that they could kill him even though they were falling into the very trap that God had set for them. But the pressure was there, just like it is yours. The pressure comes. But thank God, listen, pressures come, but they're only for a season. Hallelujah. Amen. They're only for a season. So you got to recognize who your enemies are. We're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it's all over, you'll still be standing up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Still be standing up. Just like every faith hero in Hebrews 11. I mean, all hell came against them. And yes, they were even willing to lay their lives down to preserve and promote the gospel that God had promised, and that is the coming Messiah. This, this spiritual warfare, listen, it's been, it's been going on since in the beginning, the very beginning, warfare has been going on. And it will never end until Jesus returns. So God is calling us, calling all of us, Galatians says to walk by faith and not by sight. Let's return to Luke, the second chapter. We talked about Mary and how, how that to achieve God's will in her life, she was, had to be willing to leave the comforts of, uh, of what she knew. She was the one carrying the weight of God's... And I think about this, you know, women, what they have to carry. Us men, I mean, listen, when my wife could not operate and function with her arm because of that surgery she asked me to do her hair you talk about stress no really stress my i mean number one stress you know because you know i'd, I'd have to curl use a use a curler and you know and it's running like this and i'd pull her hair and i mean i mean then she wanted me to use a heating iron which is a lot thousand degrees burn off her ears i mean just i mean i was stressed out no, it's true. It's true. Thank you. She said I did a good job. Oh. Oh. But I told her, if I was her, I would have gotten a boycott. Cut everything off. Spike it. You know, they may call you something, but praise God, you won't have hair to deal with. Seriously. I've had her go through. Men have it so easy. I jump in the shower, it takes me, you can just time it. Eight minutes, man, I'm dressed and ready to go. An hour later, she's still working on her hair. Women. Thank God for women. So Mary was the one carrying the weight of God's spiritual assignment. She was the one willing to leave Listen, leave behind the safety and security of being a normal, young, teenage Jewish girl. She was willing to leave behind the safety and security of her life of purity. Listen to this. Only to face the false accusations of moral failure, name-calling, mockery, death threats, family disgrace, etc. That's what she faced. We don't realize that. 
But that means you, you're going around telling, you're going around, you, you, no use even telling people that you are a virgin and pregnant because they're not going to believe that because that had never, ever happened. You understand that? So she was willing to face that kind of attack in her life, uh, all to achieve what God had promised through all the prophets, hallelujah, all the Messianic prophecies, over 300 of them in the Old Testament, uh, to give birth to uh, our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Isaiah seven fourteen says, therefore the Lord himself, this is what she fulfilled, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course we said earlier means God with us. So achieving requires leaving, and it always will. And I thought of a couple examples, and I'll close with these. In 1980, uh, having uh, God spoke to my heart uh, um, to, to, to go um, uh, to leave Sioux Falls, uh, Montevideo, Minnesota, um, and, um, uh, and so I obeyed God. My wife was five months pregnant with Andrew at that time. And we had two little girls, eight years old and four years old. And God called me to leave behind, listen to this, and it was a successful trucking company, leave behind a new home built four years earlier, leave behind our parents, our grandparents, and because uh, we had no idea what we were going to do from there, you know, but we just obeyed God with that step. Uh, family and friends and moved to Broken Arrow to attend, of course, a Rama Bible Training Center. And for us to achieve required leaving. And so we did. And of course, you look back now, we were just talking earlier, we spent 13, uh, 13 years over in this building on 112 East 13th Street, and 13 years, now we've over doubled that here, we've been here, this year it'll be, this year it'll be 20, um, uh, 28, 28 or 29 years that we've been here, can we give God praise for that, I mean, it's been in this building that long, 28, I mean, a long time. A long time, and I'm so grateful that we were willing to leave uh, so that we could achieve the will of God in our lives, and it's never been easy. It's never been easy. It's never been without warfare, never. And yet, you are just part of the many people's lives that have been changed here at Faith Family Church, so we're glad we didn't quit. Hallelujah. We're glad we moved on. We're glad we fought the good fight of faith, just like you do. And really it is. I mean, we are like spiritual parents to you. We really are. So I call some of my young kids, you know, my spiritual grandkids, because they are. I call some of you that are a little older, our, 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 our kids, because you're like our kids. And we're, we've been called to father you, to speak into, to mother you, to speak into your life, to instruct you, to help you. And, and most of the time, it's right here from the pulpit. See, uh, we talked about this one day. Uh, you can't find really counseling in the Bible. I mean, except, you know, the Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And, and you know, that has a different meaning, but as far as spiritual counseling, you get it every time you come through these doors. You, you, God wants to counsel you. He wants to convict you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to teach you. Hallelujah. He wants to convict you. He, he, he wants to fix you. Hallelujah. Every time you come through these doors. And I really have so much respect for so many of you. So many of you have never even touch the door of our offices, most of you. Uh, why? Because you know, you know how to fight the good fight of faith. You know how to stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. You know the word of God. Praise God. So you don't, you don't have to, you know, try to find a shortcut to the calamities in your life because all the things about life are found right here in the word of God for you. Praise God. Amen. So we left 
and we achieved the will of God. We, while we were there uh, at, um, at the church, uh, before we entered this big Quonset, this massive building, we were standing outside because they have to check you in. They have to put a bracelet on you. I mean, he's been, he's been um, tons of death threats on his life. So literally, they, they have to tag you and, and, you know, all the things you got to go through just to get into church. You have to register to go to church. And, um, and so, um, and isn't that funny? And let me say this. Because I leaned to Pastor Vicky and I said, honey, you know, church time is an attitude. Because I know some people got upset that we went to 930 instead of 10. But it really is an attitude. It really is. I mean, some of you raised in Catholicism got up at six o'clock for mass. I mean, they still do today. I mean, my point is, it's an attitude. Attitude. And what they have to go through just to get to church, it's an attitude. Yeah. And they don't mind paying the price. Right. That's good. And so when even when it comes to prayer, I feel bad because Pastor Vicki, I mean, she's a, I mean, whatever, I mean, you don't know until you've been. She's a powerful prayer warrior. Amen. 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 I mean, I can't do anything wrong. Yeah. And, <laughs> and God tells her about it. It's just, I mean, I, just, I have to really walk her straight and narrow. Well, the kids were that way. She always told the kids, don't do, don't, don't do that because the Holy Ghost will tell me and you just get in trouble. <laughs> and Angie must have believed it because she was the kid that never got in trouble. <laughs> Andy, well, we'll talk about him later. <laughs> no, good, good kids. But it's an attitude. Prayer, a quarter to nine. And it really is a prayer service Amen. to where if you really are looking for an answer, you'd probably find it there before you got here. Amen. I'm just telling you, you'd probably get it there before you got it here. Then, so we ran into, so all of a sudden we hear these kids hollering and they're coming wide open at us in this gnat. Bloodgood and his wife Amber, Tina's daughter. Amen. And they're going to school down there. And I was so proud of these kids. Because they were just so full of God. So full of the excitement of God, I could hardly believe. I mean, it was just unreal. And it isn't so much that, and it isn't so much that it's all pastor, it's so much of them being all in for God. Yeah. And they came running up to us and hugging us. And I mean, that's like, you know, it was grandpa and grandma. I mean, they were just pumped. They were so excited. In fact, a couple of nights later, we took them out for dinner at a real nice restaurant and uh, just had a great time of fellowship. But these kids, they did the same. To achieve what God was calling them to do, they had to leave. And of course, everybody pays different prices. Uh, you know, it, uh, at the end, it all levels out. It doesn't matter, you know, in, in the end. I mean, there are people, our, our forefathers, uh, they paid the price by hanging on a cross. They paid the price for being beheaded. They paid the price for being cut in half. I mean, they paid great prices to, to preserve what, what changed you and I today. So everybody, it's all going to come out in the end. We're all going to be rewarded. But they left. We didn't want to see him leave here. 
you know. And now they're so excited because they know it's in their hearts. They're so excited. They know that God's calling them to pastor. <laughs> it's so cute. But I said to them, Pastor Vicky and I were, huh? Yeah, absolutely. They get up, they get up at 5.30 every morning. But, no, they do every morning because they, they both work. And, and, you know, they have to work and then they have to go to school full time. And they even have to pay to go to school. And they, they work 60, 70 hours a week, wide open. Yes, they're right now, they don't have any children, you know, so that helps. But they're willing to pay that price. And I said to them, I am so proud of you two. So proud of you that you're willing to not get into pride, you know, not, oh, we're called a pastor. Let's go, you know, no, you better stay and get trained so that the timing's right, amen, so that when you get out there, you'll be equipped to do what God's called you to do. Why? Because the warfare will be intense. But they're willing to pay it. They're willing to pay for it. So I'm proud of those kids. So it was just a joy seeing them and a joy to hear what God is doing in their lives. Because, listen, it is the generation. It's the young generation like all of you kids that are going to ca- cause a spiritual revolution in America. And, 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 and Pastor um, said this, and of course we know this, but he said it, and I'll say it to you. He said, um, and, and I think it's, it's good that we're coming to this place in our lives, though they pray for the nation. He said that right now God is calling the church back to himself because the political system is completely broken. The political system is not going to save America. Only a spiritual revival will save America. Come on. It is. Only a spiritual revival. Only. Not any political party. It's all done. And you know, I'm so grateful for that. I am. I'm so grateful that God is finally getting the attention of the body of Christ nationwide to stop this foolishness. And I've been just as guilty as anybody else. The foolishness. Yes, I, I inspired everybody to get out and vote because we have to vote. But at the end, it doesn't, that's what we do as citizens of America. But we have got to put first and foremost the fact that we are citizens of heaven and we got to trust God with our lives no matter what. Come on, give him praise for that. No matter what. So, having the faith to leave behind what you've deemed as valuable to achieve that which is of greater value, and that is the life of God and the will of God um, manifesting in you and manifesting through you. So, I close with what are you expecting in 2023? And I mean that. Stop for a moment. And I know all through you, we had, you know, when I was, especially when I was younger in the 80s, you know, that first 10 years, uh, Building Faith Family Church was not easy, but every year we'd have a phrase. We'd make up a phrase, you know. Uh, you know, the battle's been won in 81. <laughs> the victory is for you in 82. The victory's for me in 83. <laughs> There's more in 84. <laughs> we'll survive in 85. <laughs> okay. Anyway. But, but you know, where have you set... What have you set your, who have you set your sights on for this coming year? How many believe in for a glorious 2023? Well, you should because, amen. We, you should. I am too. I am too. Believing for a glorious 23. I'm not just talking about naturally. I'm talking about spiritually. That we will, and we do, we praise constantly. The, uh, spiritual awakening across America, including Sioux Falls. Amen. The people will, will be awakened to the fact that there's only one hope, only one answer, and his name is Jesus. Can I have an amen? 
So, but, but whatever you want to achieve, you're going to have to be willing to leave. It could be, I just put down a few things, leaving a job that you become so accustomed to and, and, and so easy, you know, that um, uh, you want to uh, let it go so that, because God has a better one for you. I mean, just some of you need to have, some of you need to step out and start your own businesses. Amen. I, I'm just saying, you know, um, God, God has certain things or, or better things. For, how many want to hear the spirit of God regarding your jobs this year? I mean, you just, if God has something, say, Lord, I'm willing. I'll step out by faith. You tell me. And God will do it. He, he'll make it clear to you. It could be leaving behind a toxic relationship to achieve a healthier one. And God's not talking about your husband or your wife. <laughs> That was funnier than you took. <laughs> Seriously. Amen. Toxic relationships. That's costing you. Costing you dearly because God's got something better for you. Amen. Again, again, I just simply bring it back to the fact that when we were doing, we were just talking about the other night, we were doing drugs. We were talking to Nat, Nat and Amber about this. We were doing drugs. My, I mean, she wasn't. She was pregnant with Amy. And uh, I was partying with the guys, completely a mess, and life a mess. And um, finally, when I got saved, finally, after a year and a half, finally, got, God got my attention that I had to separate myself from these toxic relationships so that I could grow in God. Because yeah. I wasn't strong enough to pull them towards me, but they were strong enough to pull me towards them. That's right. It's the same with you. What kind of, I'm serious about that. What kind of toxic relationships are you in? Who are you allowing to influence your life to move away from God rather than towards God? And sometimes it's a lonely journey. Sometimes you're all by yourself. So, sometimes you just have to make the choice. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to serve God no matter what. Amen. For many, it'll be leaving behind the hurt and pain others have caused you so that you can achieve the glorious things God has for you. You've got to let go. You got to set it aside. Again, how? By faith. Again, all of you have heard this story, but it really is true. Many years ago, I had a guy file bankruptcy against me. I sold him our trucking company. And um, uh, I, um, I ended up signing, the co uh, be the co-signer on the note. Uh, um, and he had a $13,000 debt. And I said, well, I'll sign for the note so you can get the trucking company and you can pay that off. Well, he didn't. He filed bankruptcy one year later and left me with the $13,000 of the debt. No, maybe that's not a lot to you, but listen to me, listen to me. In 1982, when that happened, in 1982, interest rates were 16%. Did you hear me? 16%. And so that was a rough deal for us. And we were just starting our church. The church was only a year old. And so I'm driving on the road one day in my, in my uh, vehicle, and I was just mauling over this assault on my life. And God spoke to me, not too many times through the years as he spoke to me audibly, but he spoke to me audibly. I'm talking about inside my spirit as loud as I'm, you're hearing me today. He says, and he said it, he said it very firmly, he says, you forgive him. I mean, I mean, when I heard that man, there was, I mean, there was no, well, I'll, let me pray about it. I knew right at that moment that I had to let that go. And I said, but Lord, how? He said, you forgive him by faith. Amen. Some of you today are going to have to start forgiving by faith. Right. And then your feelings will line up with your faith. Right. 
The longer you hold on to these things, the more frustrated you get, the, the more um, agitated you get, the, 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 the more you lose your peace of God, the direction of God for your life, things become distorted all because you just simply won't let go. Yeah. Or you say, well, it's happened so many times. Well, do it again. Do it again. How many believe that God is a father who knows how to discipline his children? All you have to do is say, do it again. I mean, just forgive and say, God, go after them. God, you do what you do best. Discipline their lives. And God, I tell you right now, life can become extremely miserable when you're out of the will of God. Amen. Once we obey then the faith that God's given us to remove the mountains in our lives will be activated. We have to obey God. I'll leave you these last two verses. We're doing good here this morning. John 13. As G- Listen, in John 13, Jesus is actually preparing his disciples for the greatest spiritual warfare they will ever face, and that is watching him die on the cross. And here's what he said. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Not for another, to another. Love to another. Don't think for a moment that when they watched Jesus hanging on the cross, they didn't start pointing fingers at each other. And start attacking each other. When, in fact, what they were beholding was the perfect will of God. I'm to believe in the resurrection. Amen. I do too. So God wants to resurrect those things in your life that may be dead, but he'll bring them back to life if you allow him to, and you get your heart right. The last verse, Mark 11, 25. Whenever you stand praying, remember Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. Have faith in God. So, so, why? So that you can speak to the mountain and the mountain will obey you. I don't care what kind of mountain it is. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it and let it go. Man, that just spoke to me years ago. Forgive him, let it drop, let it go. Forgive him, let it drop, leave it, let it go. Nah, sometimes we're so stinking stupid and stubborn that we just won't let it go and let it drop. Not realizing that all it's doing is hurting us, not helping us. Let it drop. Let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. One of the most... Enjoyable verses I like to read is in Luke 6, where Jesus is talking about the character of God. And then he goes on and says this, can the blind lead the blind? And the answer is no. It says they'll both fall in the ditch. And why? Why do you Always focus on the speck in your brother's eye, but you never focus on the log that's in your own. I just love that. Jesus was so awesome. How to bring out and reveal the heart of people. Why? 
Why do we as human beings, now that we're Christians, but why do we do that? Why do we focus on the speck in our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife, our brother in church, sister in church? Why do we focus on the speck in their eye, but we don't deal with the log in our own? Man, that's why. Maybe it's just I'm getting older, but that's why every day I'm having to repent for something. Because I want so much to have my heart right with God. Every day, you kids, it seems I'm having to apologize for the Holy Spirit. For just simply acting the way I shouldn't act. Yesterday, I grieved the Holy Spirit. I hurt my wife and I grieved the Holy Spirit. Over a stupid game. But it can be anything like that. You just, you just I'm hurting people. So I had to repent. And I'm so grateful. I, I laid on my knees here, the, or on my knees this morning, and again, reminding the Father. I said, Father, thank you that I have a high priest that's seated at your right hand. And the Bible says he is, he is the high priest of my confession. So, Father, I ask you to forgive me. He, Father, Jesus is the advocate. Legally, he's supporting me today. And, and he's my mediator. He's the one who supports me when I come before you. So, Father, I ask you to forgive me for the way I acted, the way I talked. I'm so, so, so sorry. And, sir, I receive your forgiveness by faith. I got up. Didn't feel any different. But was grateful that I had that kind of access into his presence. Would you all stand? I want to pray for you today. Thank you, Father. Achieving requires leaving. Leaving behind that attitude, that negativity, that criticalness, the severity of your attitude, the, the words that you just so carelessly let fly out of your mouth without stopping to realize that those words are death or life, blessing or cursing. You choose. You choose. You choose. You choose. Jesus said it. Death and life, well, Proverbs Solomon said this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus says, by your words you're justified or by your words you're condemned. You choose. Isn't that something? You choose. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.